Welcome back to the Make Account Podcast. I'm Marcus Meir, founder of Mirror Group CPAs and the Total Control Accounting System. And I'm Tyler Warner, small business owner with a lot of accounting questions. And I've got a lot of questions about this one. Do you? Yeah, I know nothing about it. <laughs> so I'm excited Is that to learn. different from any other episode? Yeah, I guess fairness, probably not. That's why I'm the, I'm the one with all the questions. You are. You know? That's why I love having you because... I'm hoping we get into some stuff and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Because that's what we need. Because we're the little backdrop is we're talking about the Secure Act 2.0. Yeah. And I missed the 1.0, yeah. to be honest. Oh, no. It was a, it was a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> so the Secure Act 2.0 signed in the law by President Biden on December 29th essentially is a bill around retirement plans from a tax perspective. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to hit the points that people will understand from a perspective of these are the kind of things that affect them daily, like matching contributions to a retirement plan, Roths, 529s, all these kind of things. We're going to get in some high level discussions because I think some of the details of this bill still to be fleshed out to a certain extent, like how does it work in practicality? But I want to hit on kind of some high level concepts, give some people some ideas like, okay, these things are changing. Like we don't expect you to understand or know these off like the back of your hand. Um, in fact, I'm just learning them. Yeah. But just to kind of know that these are out there, I think there's some really cool provisions. Yeah, and mo- I think it's probably important to say that most people have an account that this affects. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you've got a 401k, you've got an IRA, a Roth, a 529, just go down yeah. the list. You probably fit in there yeah. somewhere. So your money is at stake here. Damn. Boom. All right. <laughs> what ha- what's happening to our money, Marcus? All right, let's go. Secure Act 2.0. All right, let's talk. We've got a good article here, which I think, Kind of summarizes a lot of a lot of the good points. Um, it's a Fidelity article, so Fidelity, obviously a big brokerage house. Big changes to RMDs. Okay, first question: What's an RMD? RMD is a required minimum distribution. So, if you have um, a, a retirement account, by law, there comes a point where the government make in a tax deferred account. Let's be specific. Mm-hmm. So, something where you put the money in and got a deduction. Think a four hundred one k. Think a traditional IRA. And kind of hold this intention with Roth because Roth is after tax. The things you made after, ta- I mean, pre-tax contributions, the government says, hey, we need you to take the money out, pay some tax on it. They require you to take minimum distributions. There's a formula for that. It's based on the value of the account and your age. So they essentially kind of make it to where the account's bigger and you're younger. Obviously, you'd have to take out more. And then there's a sliding scale from there. Okay. As you get older and the account gets smaller, you have to take out less and less. The table. Um, but required minimum distribution. And that matters because your account is in an investment account where the more money you have, the more it makes. And of course, and you pay tax when you take the money out. So this gets into that whole, you know, you hear people making this debate of, should I contribute to a Roth or should I contribute to a a traditional, uh, retirement plan? The reason that's relevant is because of required minimum distributions. Cause at some point you have to take the money out. So the whole game in the Roth versus non-Roth, uh, discussion is, well, what's my tax rate going to be when I pull the money out? Gotcha. So that's kind of baked into this. Higher. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> Who knows? I have no clue. I have no opinion on that. Um, okay, so age of which retirement, which owners of retirement accounts must start taking RMDs will increase to 73 starting January 1, 2023. So I'm just kind of reading from there. We'll get into it a little bit. The current age to take an RMD is 72. Um, so just right off the bat, kind of given people, and this goes obviously with friends in society, people live longer. Um, and so this is something that kind of prolongs you having to take the money out. So nothing more you need to know about this other than you got another year where you can hold the money and earn on it. So that was like their kind of first point. That's the kind of how we're diving into this. RMDs you now have until 
73 to take them. All right. It used to be 70 and a half, just kind of for yeah. people wondering. I don't know if you, you've ever heard that term, the 70 and a half? No. Yeah. Not, I mean, three-year-olds yeah. count their half birthday. I don't know. <laughs> right. what, are we, what are we doing? Like, I'm three Wait, and a half. Many, we should say, how many months old are yeah. you at 70 and a yeah. half, right? I he's, mean, you know, he's, uh, he's 284 what? months old. Yeah. Anyway. 73. Uh, let's applaud the congressman who, <laughs> who fought for that one. Right, uh, to get rid of that half. Half, yeah. That's right. right. You know that was negotiated. <laughs> okay, higher ketchup contribution. This is also cool. Um, for a ketchup contribution, so most people kind of understand or, or kind of bump into the limits on uh, either IRA or, or Roth IRA contributions or 401k. There's a limit if you're under 50 of how much you can put in it, but there's a ketchup. So an amount when you get over 50, they allow you to put in. And now they're even adding an over uh, between 60 and 63 catch-up. So it says here, starting in January 2025, individuals aged 60 through 63 years old will be able to make catch-up contributions up to $10,000 annually to a workplace plan, and that will be indexed for inflation. Um, the catch-up amount for people aged 50 and older, 7500 bucks. So again, just more you can put in as you get older. And that, I mean, that the reason it's called a catch up is because it, it's not taxed, right? Correct. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Or it wouldn't count as your tax well, you tax could, income. Well, you could make catch up contributions in a Roth. Like if you had a Roth 401k. I guess what I'm at, I didn't do a good job of asking. Like if you, when you play catch up, yeah. that's, that's $10,000 you can now move out of your income. Yeah. And the reason the catch up's kind of misleading, I think what they mean is you're older, you're getting closer to retirement, let's let you put more in. Okay. Kind of catch up. I mean, I guess it is kind of a catch up. Maybe you didn't put as much in when you were younger, and now we're giving you a chance to catch it up. Okay. Air quotes there. But yeah, that's really what they're talking about. Is like you're getting older. We're gonna up the limits for you to be able to put money in. And to your point, if you're putting it in just a, I'm gonna call it a traditional 401k. What I mean by that is a pre a pre tax. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's more pre tax money you can put away. Okay. Yeah. This one is really cool. Matching for Roth accounts. So when you normally like if you if you come to work here at Mirror Group, we have a retirement plan with a 401k. You can tr you can make as the employee regular contributions. I mean, I, I keep referring to them as traditional meaning. Deferral of your salary comes off the top. You don't pay tax on it. You pay tax on it later when you take your required minimum distributions. Mm -hmm. Or you can contribute to a Roth 401k. So you don't get any tax benefit now, but it grows tax-free. The money you put in and the earnings to take out later tax-free. But if I match your contribution, because it's not taxed to you, it goes in the bucket of deferred money. So if I, so let's just put some numbers to it. Let's just say you make $100,000 here. We have a 3% match. I would put in, and we do this, 3% into an account for you. But it goes into the bucket of money that's pre-taxed because you didn't get taxed on it. Okay. So later in life, if that three grand grows to 10, you're going to pay tax on all 10. Okay. What they're saying is now they're going to make... They're, you're going to give the option to employers to make a, a contribution to you and it goes to a Roth account. So we'll make the contribution taxable to you now, but not later. Okay. Really kind of very interesting to me. Like, why haven't we done this before? But adds a new wrinkle to things. Now it's like, holy cow. Like, so now your retirement plan contributions that the employer is making could potentially have to run through payroll. That's how I read this. Okay. Because it says here, Employees will be able to provide employees the option of receiving vested matching contributions to Roth accounts. Previously matching, previously matching and employer-sponsored plans were made on a pre-tax basis. Um, it says here, contributions to a Roth retirement plan are, at, are made after tax. So 
I want to, I have another little article here. I want to make sure I, I hit that because it goes over and I can't find it right in front of me, but I think the gist of it was it becomes taxable compensation. It's like a wage. So that's something to consider too. But again, more money you could put into Roth if that's your thing. And the whole Roth versus traditional debate is kind of more art than science sometimes. Yeah. Because you don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know what the tax rates will be mm-hmm. when you, uh, when you retire, that yeah. sort of thing. But I think you just offended artists. <laughs> Did I? More art. Artist or science? I don't know. <laughs> artist or scientist? Okay, let me see here. I'm trying to find this. Uh, let's see. Okay, here it is. Yeah, it just basically says it's taxable. Okay, so just, I thought I was missing something. Um, okay, number four, qualified charitable, uh, distri- qualified charitable distributions. This is really cool. So for a lot of people, now I know we're talking about a lot of things that relate to kind of being older. But this, mm-hmm. is a, this is a really great tax planning tool for somebody who's older. So think about when you get older and you have to take a required minimum distribution. Okay, and think about if you're charitable. So I'm going to give you, hold these two things kind of in tension. Mm-hmm. You, wanna, you, you need to take money out of your IRA and you're charitable. Okay, we've talked, we've talked before on kind of the basics behind the standard versus itemized deduction. And you know that if your itemized deductions don't exceed your standard deduction, you get the standard deduction. You get right. the greater of the two. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say you took out $20,000 out of your IRA. You're 75. And let's just say your required minimum distribution for the year was 20000 you go, great, I'll just give it to the church. Won't pay any tax on it. Maybe. And the reason is, what if you have no other itemized deductions besides that $20,000 of charitable? Let's just say your state tax was $3,000. And the standard deduction for a married couple is like $25,100. So let's just say you have $23,000 in itemized deductions. How much benefit did you get from the charitable? None. None. How much of the IRA? I was hoping I was doing that right. Yeah, you're, no, you're, no, this is like good, good test for you as the host. How much of that required minimum distribution is taxable? Six? All of it. Uh, all of it? What? All of it. I was doing math. I so, was like subtracting. It wasn't a trick question. Okay. <laughs> but I kind of let it like it was. My point is, you could be all with well-intentioned thinking you are netting the two out and you're not. Okay. Okay. So you got twenty grand of taxable income. You have a twenty thousand dollar deduction. You think you're getting, but you're not getting it because you had the standard deduction anyway. Okay. Gave you no benefit. That's where this comes into play. There's a provision in a tax code called a qualified charitable distribution, which allows your call it your four hundred one k to send the money direct from them to a charity that you pick. It doesn't count as income, and it doesn't count as a charitable deduction. Now that's truly a wash. Yeah. So that is what the charitable. Uh, Qualified charitable distribution is. It's it's basically saying I satisfied my required minimum distribution. I satisfied it, but my my custodian of my 401k plan sent it directly to my church. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Yeah. Um, but here's what it kind of I'm get to the part in the Secure Act that says here, uh, people who are after beginning in 2023, people who are age 70 and older may elect as part of their QCD. Qualified charitable distribution limit. A one-time gift up to 50000 adjusted annually for inflation to a charitable remainder trust, different trust, uh, charitable gift annuity. Um, the point in that is it's allowing you to do more of this. So from an estate planning perspective, um, you know, just a 
planning perspective, you want to get some money out of your 401k, you want to be charitable, again, another way to get more into your charity. So I won't get too much into that rule because they're talking about some trust that not a lot of people use. The point I wanted to make is just getting people to understand that qualified charitable distribution, that's a really nice tool. Yeah. Because you, you literally can say, this is a net zero, as opposed to thinking you're making it a net zero and maybe not. Yeah. But you already knew all that, right? Yep. Um, just making sure you didn't screw it up. <laughs> you're here just a. You're here for quality control. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, let me see. We got student loan debts. Student next. loan debt. Okay, starting in 2024, and this one they don't have a lot on. I just want to throw it out there just so people get it. And I think one of it's one of those things where we're gonna start to see articles written and kind of commentary come out on this. But this is interesting. Starting in 2024, employers will be able to match employee student loan payments with matching payments to a retirement account, giving workers an extra incentive incentive to save while paying off educational loans. My thinking is that this is going to work like this. Normally, matching contributions, there's some caveats to this, but they're normally dependent upon the employee also contributing, hence the term matching. Oh, right, right. So, like, you've heard people say, like, I get a 3% match up to 6%. So, like, basically, $100,000 is the best example. Tyler, if you contribute 6 from your pay, we'll put in three from the company. That's kind mm. of the thinking. But it's all conditioned upon you contributing in some plans. Some plans that have what's called a non-elective contribution. That's what we have here at Mirror Group, where even if you don't contribute, I put money in the 401k for you. It's kind of an incentive. I want to encourage people to re- invest for retirement. So I'm like, if you're not going to do it, I'll do some for you. Mm-hmm. But what's cool about this is, so that's, that's a non-elective. A lot of plans don't have that. A lot of plans just say, look, Tyler, if you don't contribute, we don't. Yeah. And this is saying, hey, if you're not contributing because maybe you're trying to pay off your student loans, we're, we'll be able to make a matching contribution, so to speak, to you in lieu of you contributing to the 401k plan to get a matching contribution. Gotcha. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. It's kind of, really, it's kind of a nice little, yeah. little benefit. Um, I don't quite know how that works yet because even as I'm reading the article, it's like very little. So that makes me think people are kind of starting to think through how this will work. Um, but just know that that's something on the table too. So as a business owner, um, if you want to be generous, if you want to make a plan that, you know, kind of helps everyone, maybe there's somebody out there who can't contribute. This may be a way for you to give them a matching contribution. I think we're going to find out more about this as the year goes on. Yeah. All right. All right. This one is very interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. 529 plans. So let's give a little bit, let's give some background on 529 plans. A 529 plan is, a, is an educational savings account where you put money away for the benefit of others, typically your kids, to pay for their college education and related expenses later. So you put money in and it grows, hopefully. So the money, you don't get a deduction for it. So it's all post-tax money, meaning I, I got 10 grand, I put 10 grand in, I don't get a deduction. But if that 10 grand grows to 40 by the time junior goes to college mm-hmm. the 30 grand if i take it if i take the whole 40 which includes 30 of earnings and spend that on qualified tu- tuition room and board that kind of stuff the 30 becomes tax-free okay the thinking is well, what happens to somebody who gets a scholarship like that's always what if you perfect example yeah you're really wealthy and you have a single child and they get a scholarship to harvard dang it no <laughs> some, some guys have all their money. <laughs> So what happens? What happens to the, the 529 in that example? Question for you. Yeah, they... Uh, what happens when you start using it? So you can't do anything with it. What happens? 
they use it to campaign for their son to become <laughs> elected in Congress. They donate it to a PAC? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So what happens is, ultimately, because you don't have educational expenses to spend on, mm-hmm. and, and you start to take it out, the money becomes taxable. Yeah. Well, now there's a provision saying, we're going to let you roll over 529 assets to a Roth IRA. Because again, take a step back, 529 was post-tax money. What's Roth? Post-tax money. Gotcha. So putting them on the same footing, and they're saying, hey, you didn't use it. Like, he, for yeah, example, yeah. he got a scholarship. We'll let you put it in a Roth. Now, it's subject to limitations, and this is really interesting. So, so now you're thinking, all right, kid, work on the scholarship so yeah. that I can retire. Yeah. Well, I think, you have to contr- I think you have to roll it over to a Roth IRA for the beneficiary. Oh, yeah. that's different. Yeah. Well, I think what they're trying to say is, for, oh. the, for, for your son who gets a scholarship, you could give it to him now. Start his. He can have a retirement account. Oh yeah. my gosh! Really cool. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're gonna have to. You're gonna. Yeah. You were gonna take it out, spend it, becomes taxable. At least to this generational wealth. No, rich get richer. That's right. I know. Man. All right. So this is how it works. Good. And caveats to it. So it's after 15 years, and I. This is super interesting. It says here. The, uh, the Act, the Secure Act, permits beneficiaries of 529 college savings accounts to make up to 35000 of direct trustee-to-trustee rollovers from a 529 account to their... Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong here. So let's back up. Maybe it's not beneficiary. Maybe you get to choose a beneficiary, which could be yourself. So hold on a second. To their Roth IRA without tax or penalty. Finding out together, folks. I know, right? And I look, the, again, I said... The reason I'm kind of wanting... Bring all this up is that I think a lot of this is going to become clearer. I'm just reading the guidance that's yeah. out. The 529 account must be open for more than 15 years, and the rollover is limited to the amount contributed to the 529 account and its earnings more than five years earlier. Rollovers are subject to the Roth IRA annual contribution limits, but are not limited based on the taxpayer's AGI. All right, let me break down the Greek there. What they're saying is, I couldn't put more than thirty-five thousand over a lifetime in there. I couldn't do more than so. It's you know, it's it's somewhat limited. Over time, I couldn't put more than thirty-five thousand into the Roth IRA. Okay, first thing. Second thing, the account must have been open for more than fifteen years. So what they're trying to encourage is people that started this when their kids were born, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like we did with all our kids. We've got money in a five twenty-nine. We're just growing. Mm-hmm. By the time they get to college, you would think they're. Over 15 years old, you started when, you know, they were born, they're 18 now. Yeah. And the rollover is limited to the amount contributed to the 529 account um, and its earnings. Okay, that's, I'm almost wondering why they say that. How could you do more? As I'm thinking that, what, the contributions plus the earnings, how could it, how could you contribute more? Okay, we'll kind of pause on that. Rollovers are subject to the Roth IRA contribution limits. Okay. If you've ever put in a Roth IRA, you know there's a limit. It used to be 6000 a year. I think it's 6500 now. And if you're older than 50, I think it's 70. There's a catch-up, 7,500. Yeah. 7, so subject to those limitations for the year, subject to an overall for the, you know, for the lifetime of this thing. The second, or not second thing, the last point I'll make is, it says here, but are not limited based on the taxpayer's AGI. The reason that's important is because normally if you make too much money, and I'm going to pull up the Roth IRA limits, you can't even make a Roth IRA contribution. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever heard that? Yeah, we've I don't talked know. about it before. Yeah, um, watch. I'm going to look up here. Roth, Roth IRA income limitations. Let me just do a quick Google search. Okay. Uh, I'll give you the number so we can kind of just talk. So 2023, 6500 bucks is the max. 7500 if you're 50. There's the catch up. 
Okay. Single filers, you have to be you have to make under 138 adjusted gross income, 138,000. Married, it's under 218. So what this is saying is you could have put money in a in a 529. You're wealthy. Your child gets a scholarship, let's just say. You don't need the money to pay for tuition. You don't need it for room and board. Just name your thing. You have money left. If you, the taxpayer, make $10 million, you could do this. Whereas normally, mm. you couldn't contribute to a Roth IRA because you make too much money. Gotcha. So pretty tax, very taxpayer friendly. Gotcha. Got it. That's all I got. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's other provisions here. I'll, I'll kind of, we, we're not going to get too much into these, but there's also provisions about ways you can take money out for emergencies. I think they've liberalized what's considered to be an emergency. Um, there used to be, let's see here. I'll just real quick. The act adds an exception after 2023 to the 10% pre age 59 and a half penalty uh, for one distribution per year of up to a thousand dollars to use for emergency expenses to meet unforeseeable or immediate financial needs relating to personal or family emergencies. Good God. Yeah. Reading that. Jeez. So, uh, and when I read that out, it makes me wonder, like, why do, like I'm sure that's why people are like, why do people want to be CPAs? Yeah. yeah. This, this part is not There's my favorite There's a lot of part. reasons they ask Look, that question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> You're supposed uh, to be an advocate here. Yeah. The $1,000. Run yep. that back. Like, so... Uh, so previously, there's ways you can take out of your IRA. It still is taxable, but you don't get the early withdrawal penalty. So once you reach 59 and a half, you can take money out of your accounts. It's taxable, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's a deferred account, but you're not, but you're subject to a penalty, early withdrawal penalty. But there are provisions that allow you, first time home buyers one, um, like there's a medical one, that basically say, we'll let you take out of your retirement. It's still taxable, but you don't, you're not subject to the penalty. This is another exception to the 10% penalty is saying, but is it got to be under a thousand bucks? Yeah, one. Yeah, one. So it has to be a small amount. For one distribution per year, up up to one thousand dollars, used for emergency expenses to meet unforeseeable or immediate financial needs relating to personal or family. Seems kind of like a how the waste. hell are they going to define that? I know. In a waste. I, I mean, know. who's got a loaded IRA? I know. And a thousand dollar less emergency. I know. Like, I know. But that's in there. Uh, what else? Let's see here. Domestic abuse. Um, got some provisions for domestic abuse. You being able to take money out. So Jeez. point is, what's that? Yeah, that's I know it's kind it's, of, it's kind of bizarre. Point, point being is, and the reason why I'm not getting into so much of that, they're kind of arcane. But there's other provisions. But mm. um, I think the takeaways are the RMDs later. Think understanding these Roth accounts, five twenty nine rolled over into a Roth, matching Roth contributions. Uh, the student loan matching provision. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it'd be cool to see how companies use that too to, right? You know, create benefits packages and stuff. Right. Yeah, it's um, I you know the holy grail, generally for any kind of in the tax world is something that's deductible by one and not taxable to another, right? Mm -hmm. And so this just opens up another avenue for um. What was the last one I said? I'm drawing a blank here on the um, student loan. Yeah. Another way to give somebody something, again, tax deferred, but deductible yeah. by the company, tax deferred to you, kind of a nice deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, that was informative. I'm glad, uh, you know, things are shaking up in the retirement world. It sounds like, like you said, I like the tax friendly yeah. or taxpayer friendly. That's, taxpayer friendly. Yeah. yeah. That's what you want, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, um, 
as always, go to Mir.group for more podcasts, more information. Certainly, if you want to reach out to Marcus and his team, you can do that there as well. So, Yeah, you can get me at Marcus at Mir.group. And we'll see you next time. All right.